Welcome to the Oil and Gas Global Network's Legal and Risk Management Podcast with Sarah Stogner, where each weekly episode touches on legal and risk management issues impacting the energy sector. Visit our website at www.oilandgaslegalrisk.com for more information on today's episode, past episodes, and upcoming OGGN events. Today's episode is sponsored by ThoughtTrace, developers of Alley, an artificial intelligence platform that reads and understands energy agreements and contracts to quickly find critical data. Good morning. This is Sarah Stogner with the Oil & Gas Global Network's Legal and Risk Management Podcast, sponsored by ThoughtTrace. I am here with Paul Gibbs. We are camped out as usual. I like to sneak in and camp out places at the Roseland Oil and Gas Conference. So thank you, Jeff and Shelley, who invited us I'm here. And I'm, I'm with Paul, who is the owner and president of Freedom Tank Technology. And poor Paul had already started talking. And then I looked down and I said, you're going to kill me. I haven't pushed record yet, but we only got like three minutes into it. Uh, so the best three minutes of my life. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're going to start over. And Paul, if you can just tell me a little bit about, about your background. Your... Sure. I was, I was born and raised here in West Texas. I graduated high school from Cahoma High School, if anyone's ever heard of Cahoma, Texas. Grew up ranching and farming. Farming didn't pay well enough, so I went to the oil fields. I've been wearing out steel toe boots and oil fields for about 40 years now. I spent about a decade with Mobile Oil Company. It was Mobile Exploration and Production. Four or five years, I had a construction slash welding business. And then the last 25 years, I spent at the Big Spring Refinery. And I left there, oh, a little over a year ago now to pursue what I have spent the last 29 years developing. I know what, what my tool offers. I've field tested it to death. I've showed it to a bunch of people, and I knew it was time to do something. And that was to put my my tank technology out there to the to the oil and gas business. And, you know, it, I, I literally got a call yesterday from a colleague who has had a client that had a lightning strike at a tank battery, mm-hmm. and it went up in flames, mm-hmm. and they are now in an insurance coverage dispute. And, you know, we see, I think, frack fires, frack fleet fires, mm-hmm. and sure. tank battery fires are two of the most probably preventable and expensive issues right now that clients are facing. I read yesterday the Houston Chronicle said, you know, this big tank fire, they had eight tanks go up last week. In Houston area, they have an explosion or fire every six weeks. Yeah, I mean, right. That's their average. NPR, I listen to NPR in the morning, and NPR was saying that they, they were talking to the residents nearby, and they said, you know, it, we're just kind of used to it, which right. is sad. It I mean, is it's sad. really sad. We, we need to do better as an industry. We do, and... and I'm telling you, when I go and show people, they don't realize it exists. I have the answer when it comes to fire and environmental issues when it comes to vapor on, on tanks. So tell me about it. It's a, it's a simple idea. When most people see it, the answers I get are, why hasn't someone else thought of this? I even had a guy tell, tell me I had, I had the kiss of inventions. And I said, what do you mean? He says, well, keep it simple, stupid. Right. That was his answer, you know. Basically, what I have developed is a, a tool that I put inside of your oil tank, or it could be diesel, jet, gas, any, any type of petroleum, anything that burns, any chemical that's flammable, and this tool stays inside the tank, and it's floating wherever the level is at. And that's where I'm making my living, is right there. 
What happens in oil production? Oil comes to the surface, goes to the tank. Oil has never seen atmospheric pressure before, and so vapors break out like crazy. It's Mother Nature's natural distillation process is happening inside the tanks. And so what a lot of people do is vapor recovery. It is an income coming into them, and it keeps the methane gases from going to the atmosphere. And, you know, that's something else is methane gas is, is the most harmful thing that there is to the ozone. It stays together for 19 years. Wow. It reflects light more than anything else. So just on the, on the economic issue of it, when you put my tool in and you use it for vapor recovery versus coming off the roof or coming off a vapor tire, we're seeing 18% plus gains. So that is a return on your investment right there. The gains you're seeing will be a much richer, higher BTU in gas, which is like a higher octane. They're going to pay you more for it. And it's because I am working four or five inches above the oil, which in the world of distillation is considered the flash zone. That right now, if you're pulling off your roof or if you're pulling off your vapor tower, heavy gases never make it to the roof. They'll condense back to a liquid form. C5s will flash and condense back to liquid. C4s will get almost to the roof and condense back to a liquid. C3s will hit the roof, crawl around and try to find the four-inch opening. It will condense to a droplet, fall back down, splash in the oil, agitate, and the cycle never ends. That is unstable. That is that is what we call reed vapor pressure when we're having reed vapor pressure issues. They come out with a with a number now. You have to be under nine pounds or sh- several shell plays that's above nine pounds. I remove these heavy molecules. I grab them. They do, they do not have to go to the roof. Five inches above the crude oil is where I'm taking them out. So. Your volume of gas goes up because you've been missing it. Your gas richness goes up because it's the heaviest of all the molecules that your richest BTUs. It puts you in compliance. I tell people this puts you in compliance on steroids. This tool has been tested by TCEQ. They brought in Battelle Engineering to test it. That's your largest research engineering firm out of Columbus, Ohio. They have researched this tool. The numbers don't lie. This tool does numerous tasks, and let me get back to the to the re-vapor pressure. We're able to go in, and what these what my finding my customers are doing is they're cranking up their heater treaters because in the world of distillation, you got two knobs: pressure and temperature. Well, the tanks are already at atmosphere plus maybe 12 ounces, so the pressure is you're successful. So now you have to work with temperature. And when we bring these wells online, there's no retention time in your heater treaters. So they're stacking extra heater treaters. They're cranking them all the way up. They're having heater treater fires like crazy. It's causing, it's, a, it's affecting a problem. And they're doing this to lower the RVP. If you put my tool in, then I am able to stabilize that crude oil. I have a second line on this tool. One is taking vapor a few inches above the liquid. I have a second line that's taking suction a few inches below and that is the liquid line so what i can do now i can go to williston north dakota in january when it's negative 30 degrees outside when it's when it's nice and balmy yeah (laughs) because in the world of distillation you work with pressure and temperature well it's negative 30 the crude oil in the tank is cold so whenever you heat your oil up to put it in the tank it cools right off it condenses it doesn't flash what I can do is you can come into my tool and release the liquids at the surface and let the hot oil do what hot oil does, and that is release gas. And five inches above it, I'm grabbing it. So even in cold weather, Alaska, 
Pennsylvania, Ohio. I mean, it gets cold out here in the Permian. Yeah, sure it does. Right? I mean, we have these huge temperature swings. Yes, we do. You know, I've gone to work before, and and I I took a picture of myself on this one degree. I can tell you there wasn't a lot of outside work that day. It was just survival, you know, (laughs) because we are not set up for that here. We're we're not. We're the. We're set up here for the 108 degree weather. But to get back to my to my tools, so I'm able to do this even in the most coldest of weather. And I even had customers who have put this in because they had tanks that were on bad oil all the time. And when they came into their tank, they, the line that released it in there was keeping things stirred up. Well, they can release it at the surface now, keeping the tank still. You could also come backwards with the, or come into this tool with chemical and release your chemical at the surface level and let the chemical fall through your oil. And at the same time, this liquid line, if I had a a, a full tank, a 24-foot tall tank, a 750-barrel tank, 24-foot tall, and I'm completely full, I'm on bad oil, I can't sell it, my sales line is at the bottom of the tank, 10 inches from the bottom of the tank. Your bad oil is always is, always, is your heaviest oil. It's going to be at the bottom of your tank. It always is. Your bottom two, three, four, five foot. I can sell that. I don't have to go shut my well in because I'm fixing to run my tank over. I can actually turn my lacking on or have my trucks suck from 24 foot up there off my tool. And by doing this, I can suck the tank down, leave my well running, and let's say I pump it down to the actual bad oil that's at four foot. I have removed 20 foot of good oil out of the way. I'm going to shock this tank with chemical. I have removed that oil that was going to absorb the chemical, and it didn't need to. It was actually good oil. I use less chemical. Now I'm going to directly affect the actual bad oil, and I'll go backwards in there, and I'll release chemical, knocking the water out, and let your circulating pump take it off, and you can sell the, the remaining four, three foot, and there's a foot of water. So you can sell the remaining three foot of oil. So this tool does a lot of things. And, and another task it'll do is when hot odors show up, they'll grab 90 barrels off of the tank, off the sales line, which is 10 inches from the bottom. At any time, a tank bombs can turn loose and come into that hot odor. He goes to well number one, your fracked mile-long horizontal well, and he pumps hot oil down the casing and it melts the paraffin and scale on the casing and on the production tubing and on the flow line back to the tank battery. Well, it all comes back into that tank. Now you have floating particles floating around inside that tank at the bottom. He comes back for a second load. He's grabbing floating particles. He goes to well number two. He pumps trash from well number one into well number two. The more wells he does, the more concentrated this tank becomes in trash. Or what they could do is not use their sales line. They could use my tool. If they had a 10-foot, 12-foot level, it's up and out of the way, and they're grabbing nice, clean, clear oil, and they're not trashing up these million-dollar wells that they're drilling. So when I sit down and show people that on the carbon capture, there is no more improvement, I capture the full spectrum. There's nothing left, okay? And I show them what I can do with the tank fire, and that's something I haven't mentioned and I show them what I can do with the liquid management, I get these answers like, why hasn't someone else thought of this? This is the greatest thing I've seen, you know? And going to the tank fire, this tool that's sitting four or five inches above the oil that's taking your gas out is also your lifeline for fire foam. There are tank fires after tank fires after tank fires where the fire department shows up, and if the roof is not blown off the tank, they cannot do anything about it. Yep. That's just the way it is. So what they will do is spray around keeping things cool. And that's what we saw in Houston this past week. They were fixed floating roof tanks. There was a floater inside internally, and there was a, a, a fixed roof on top. 
I saw them, sh there's, there's little vent holes in the top of the tank. They were trying to shoot foam into that from a 80 yards away, you know. And, and what happens in, in tank fires is, is when the fire department does show up and, and the, let's say the roof is blown off, generally there's still a storm going on, 60, 70 mile hour winds. So when they spray up and over and into that roof where the roof used to be into that open roof tank, the wind carries 40% of that stuff off. Well, that tells you that you're only 60% efficient to start off with. And then when the foam hits and splashes, in the world of fire foam, it's about the bubbles and keeping them tied together and keeping them stabilized. The efficiency might be cut in half. Another thing, too, the efficiency of the fire foam. Another thing, too, is when they spray up and over in the tank, no one knows how full that tank is. They could actually be hitting oil, splashing it out of the tank and onto the ground on the backside, catching the whole world on fire back there. There is always splashing and taking effect. With my tool, there is no splashing. The foam is 100%. I enter internally inside the tank with the same line that's taking gas out. It fills up with fire foam. I put the foam four to five inches above the crude oil underneath the flame. And that's another thing. When you're shooting over up and into a tank, you're going through 2200 degrees Fahrenheit. Fire foam is water-based. That destroys the efficiency as well. My foam does not have that affected on it. It does not have splash affected on it. It puts it in the correct spot. You can go to my website and look at it and see a video of it putting out a, a tank fire, and it's the simplest thing in the world. And so for those that are listening, what we'll do is in the show notes for this episode, we'll have a link to your website. Which sure. What's your website? It is freedomtanktechnology.com. And then we'll have some show notes, and they go in and they can look and click on your website and learn more about you sure. and, and learn more about the technology. Sure. So do you have an engineering degree? Is that the background, or how, what was your educational background? No, I was on my way to being an engineer, and oh, life changed. My dad was, was – actually, my dad wound up with 24 fractured ribs. Oh, wow. And so – I didn't uh, even know we had that many ribs. Well, it, same rib, four fractures. To, and his left side of his chest was caved in. He had a few fractures on the right side, but mainly his left side of his chest was completely caved, just like a like a bomb went off in his chest. But anyway, I was at college, and so I came home and had to take care. Uh, yeah, of had stuff. to take care yeah. of things. We, we had cotton in the ground and cattle grazing, and my dad also owned a full service gas station. I don't know if you may remember what a full service gas station was. Yeah. But I, you know, I grew up doing that, and. Um, well, I'm, I guess the, the reason for the question is, is I'm curious to... I never went back to college. So. What, what, how you came up with this idea. How I mean, I, I assume from working in, in the refinery, you were able to watch processes and, oh, and yeah. think... My original patent was 1990 on this tool. I did not go to work in the refinery until 1993. Oh, okay. So, yes, and process is something I do know, you know, I think very well. I don't think they would have handed me the reins to, the, to run the thing if, if I didn't, but... In 1990 was my original patent, and the original patent was was an oil skimmer, and we was just taking liquid off the top phase. You know, I can go into SWD tanks and take the oil off the top, and that way they don't inject it back into the ground. They sell the crude oil. Right. I can also r remove the gas out of that tank, and something else I can do, I can go backwards into that tool and get rid of the O2. That's what's the problem with these SWDs. They don't just burn. They blow up. Right. And it's because when these trucks show up, they're... They're pumping them water, yes, but a lot of times they're pumping solids into them as well. And so they will actually pressurize their truck up, and they push O2 into their tanks. There are ways that to— That sounds like a bad combo. It is. You know, <laughs> you know, methane and these oil tanks burn. When you hear about tanks blowing up, that tells you the O2 was present. That's when, the, that's when you have a bomb. 
you mix methane with oxygen and right. you have a blevy. So, uh, and SWDs, that, that's a, I tell people that's a horse of a different color. There's all kinds of things you can do. Customers can get a nitrogen skid and actually purge their tanks constantly with nitrogen. That's something I can do with, the, with my tool is the oil producer wants to have a tank battery worked on. He can show up with a bottle of nitrogen with a regulator and release the nitrogen at the oil level, the root cause, and purge that whole tank out. I, you can change the tank's atmosphere from flammable to inert. That way when people are banging around with hammers and wrenches and things, it is another tool you have to use. But when it comes to these SWD facilities, there's customers, are, they can buy a pretty cheap nitrogen skid that produces nitrogen, and they pump it into their tanks, and it keeps them swept O2 free. And, and of course, there are some customers who have enough volume coming in by pipeline that there's constantly enough gas being made that they don't have to supplement. supplement. Yeah. So what they can do is they can capture gas, and they can sell it. There's a there's something that I can say that I can do that no one else can do, and that is in the floating roof industry. <laughs> I'm stepping on a lot of toes because we've always been taught on a floating roof tank that the floating roof hydrostatically sitting on the oil hose in all the gas. Well, infrared technology and drones have proved that wrong about three million times, So, uh, and, and plus. I mean, you know, the industry, I don't know if you saw last couple weeks ago, but they said that, you know, flaring has been underreported by, they think, about, about 50%. Yeah, double. Right? Yeah, right? And that we're not Colorado where they are policing it, Policing it, but, mm-hmm. you know, I don't, I don't think it's, it's one of those things that I always preach. We need to police ourselves before yes. the government gets to us. If heart. the government gets a hold of it, you're sure not going to like what they come up with. So with your technology, does it, is it easy, is it easy to put into existing facilities? Yes. Does yes. it need to, how, how does yes. that work? Let me get back to the floater that I want oh, okay, to yeah. okay? And the reason I want to say this is because no one can do this except for freedom tank technology. I can go underneath a floating roof up against a pontoon. There is vapor spaces there. Most people think, oh, no, my roof sits all the way on oil. Well, it does sit on oil, but if it sit all the way on oil, the first raindrop would sink it. Right. There is vapor space. There is a lift underneath that roof. I can capture gas underneath a floating roof tank, and you won't be emitting to the atmosphere anymore. So that is my next move with my company to start talking to midstream companies about this. Like the Delaware Basin, 52 Gravity, High RVP, they can, they can have brand new gaskets, brand new seals on these tank roofs, and they leak. And it's because the product is hot. It's a very volatile, you know, yeah, what, I mean, it's lighter fluid. or it, it's Right. What's the temperature thinner. coming out of the hole for a lot of this stuff? I don't even. I don't, I don't know. I can tell you that. And RVP issues, talking to the producers, they like to keep their tanks at 120, and that's hard to do. Yeah, so that means it's coming out hotter. Well, it's coming out, no, they like, they're heating it up to get to 120 oh, okay. through their okay. heating treaters at their surface. They like to, in the world of distillation, it's about pressure and temperature. Right. You have to raise the temperature to cook the gas and release it. Makes sense. And the, and the reason RVP is such an issue is, is, you know. And for those listening, what does RVP stand for? Reed vapor pressure. The issue is, is everything is sold through a meter, and it, you know, a gallon of oil is so big. But if I impinge it with gas and I make it swell, when that same gallon, when it goes across meters, we're getting two gallons. Well, it's throwing meters off, and of course, you know, New York banks buy crude oil it eventually, and, and you're not going to shorten them. That's not going to last very long, you know. And no one's going to last very long. Any oil, any company, you know, 
you're not in business to lose money. Right. So they've come up with this figure. It needs to be below nine pounds. I know in areas of the United States where they stuck, they stuck to that, and then the winter came, and no one could get it to nine pounds. And so they had to come up with different agreements. All right, we'll buy it. You got it down to 13 pounds now, but we're going to have to, if we're ever 100 barrels, it's going to have to be a, I don't know, a 93-barrel check is what you're going to get. I don't, I don't know their numbers, but right. there, there was an adjustment there somewhere. But floating roof tanks is a big deal because no, we've always been taught that they were taking, that was the best that there was. And we're finding out that it's not. But we can go in there and we can grab that gas that, and sell it or create electricity with it. There's a million things you can do with it other than let it go to the atmosphere and get penalized and fined for it. Right. And this will change, I believe, a lot of these midstream and refiners, their business plan because it's going to change their air permits. Their carbon capture is going to go up so they can go and they have credits. Companies that are can no longer build tanks because they're maxed out in a certain area, they put this tool in, it changes their whole business plan. Right. But to get back to your question that you ask. Which I don't even remember what it was. <laughs> but I have another question. Okay. Does it work on a fixed roof as well? Yes. Fixed roofs is, is your oil tank batteries. Right. And that's that's easy. That's my wheelhouse. Yeah, that's, I that's easy. Yeah, that's, that's my wheelhouse. So what I can what I can basically do is I can make any tank after a three phase separator. I can remove the gas, I can remove the oil, and I can remove the water all three different ways, and I can put out any tank fire a matter of seconds. And the oil production tanks, I tell people, we can automatically put out a tank fire quicker than you can dial nine one one. That's pretty. That's pretty amazing. If the and I'll tell you what. You know, it's hard to get 911 to respond. We have, I have, I know of operators out here who are having to pay for essentially private firefighters EMT because they call 911 and they can't get out. They're, they're, they don't have enough people in the city and they say, sorry, you're, yeah. gonna, you're just going to have to let it burn. Evacuate and let it burn. The, this tool does, works two, three different ways. It works off of a automatic system where we put the cameras up and, and we're, running it off of fire eyes and temperature and we have stored compressed air foam systems they call them calf units compressed air foam systems and they're just a stored cell of energy of, of, of foam and so when a fire happens it's going to alarm your phone you're going to look at your phone and you're looking at what that camera's looking at and it's showing a fire a solenoid is going to open up and it's going to push that foam inside that tank most tank fires, about 15 seconds, we can cover that area and have it completely out. Wow. It, there's another way it works, and that is we can run a line, and we will always run a line a safe distance away. A football field, two football fields, whatever we, whatever the tank battery design looks like. And the fire department can show up from two football fields away from a very safe distance, use one hose, tie on their truck, pump into it and internally it's where it's putting the foam is internally inside that tank they can put the tank fire out in 60 seconds row their hose up go home park the truck back and, and start wiping the dust off the truck because it just went down and cleaned your road right, right. and so the big problem will be is having to clean their truck but everyone goes home it's the safest most simplest tool out there and I believe that oil companies will start jumping all over this because 
the liability. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and even even not just from a liability, but economics, right? Economics, right? Because let's all be honest. At the end of the day, money talks. And what? I don't know. What what did oil close at yesterday? Fifty nine, eighty or something. Right. So we're we're not in the luxury of being able to do things just because we want to because of the price of oil. We're at a point where we've got to save money and we've got to be fiscally conservative. And we do that with smart technology that prevents losses, makes sure people go home safely, and and helps your bottom line. So, I mean, if you, if you can help your bottom line yes. and keep people safer, to me, that's a, that's a no-brainer. keep yourself in compliance. Yeah. On steroids, so to speak. Right, you know, right. I tell people, once this is in, there's no there's no more new and improved. Right. Because when you capture everything, I don't know what else I can do. Yeah, yeah, no. Well, we have been chatting for 25 minutes. Can you believe it? No. <laughs> Thank you so much for, for coming on. And again, we'll put the your contact info in the show notes. But what's your email if people want to learn more? Or are you on LinkedIn? I am on LinkedIn. It's Freedom Tank Technology on LinkedIn. Or it's Paul Gibbs. I have my personal LinkedIn. My website is, of course, www.freedomtanktechnology.com. And, you and you're go, here in Midland. Yes, I'm, yep. I'm here in Midland. And I can I can tell you since last week with the Houston fires, my phone has lit up like uh, I'm Santa Claus and it's Christmas. It's unfortunate that it often takes a uh, yeah, an, incident. an incident to really have people. But I, I had a few that knew about this in that part of the world, and they got a hold of a few, and it's just kind of blown up. Pun, no pun intended. Yeah, no pun intended. It's kind of blown up on me. Yeah. So, uh, well, I appreciate you taking the time to, to chat with me about this. I think it's really exciting, and, and I know that the listeners are going to appreciate learning more about it. Sure. So, Thank so, you very much. So, thanks. Thanks for, for coming, Paul, and, and chatting with me. Today's episode is sponsored by Thought Trace. Please go to www.info.thoughttrace.com slash podcast drawing where you can register for that portable power bank. And I promise I'm going to get better about actually announcing people, announcing past winners each week. So I will have one next week for you guys because in the past they've just been getting random emails and then there's not the excitement of getting the announcement while you're listening to a freshly dropped episode every week. But uh, Thought Trace are is the developers of Alley, an artificial intelligence platform that reads and understands energy agreements and contracts to quickly find critical data. ThoughtTrace, let the software do the reading. Don't forget to like and subscribe. You can go to www.oilandgaslegalrisk.com to subscribe. And then please leave me a nice little review. Or if you think we can improve and, and you don't like it, then send me an email and help me improve it. And not maybe not leave me a bad review, right? Okay, thanks, guys. And we'll talk next week. Bye.